right, welcome back everybody back into the uh, taxi squad and the back the van cab is here and ready for everybody to pile on in for the part two, our second phase of uh, this second part of our journey with the Atlantic Division. Uh, Let's, without further ado, boys... get back into this and uh let's give the people what they want the second half of the division uh we'll dive right back in with uh alan why don't you start us off with uh with ottawa yeah they have 23 off nights kind of toward the the bottom for least 14 back-to-backs biggest loss was uh to brinkett went to detroit who we just talked about probably biggest acquisitions they made were uh tarasenko which was a really weird saga and a uh, Corpy or Corpusalo from the blue jackets. I, someone I, I really kind of want to keep an eye on that maybe getting slept on a little bit is Josh Norris. Um, especially if you can get him at somewhere between his, his two different ADPs, like 133 to 171, like that's banging value for a center. Um, he only played, Eight games last year, but eight points in them, and he's got Kachuk and Batherson between them. Like I, to me, he that's the true one C. I'm pretty sure he'll get power play one too. Um, but yeah, as long as his shoulder doesn't act up again, I point per game is sky's the limit for him. You have hurt me. You have hurt <laughs> me, Alan. He is not the one C. Don't you ever disrespect Timmy Stutes ever again. Okay, he's just got the better line. Timmy Stutes, it's the better is... line. <laughs> Uh, Timmy Stutes is their best player and he showed that last year and the underlying numbers show it as well he's tied for first with points per 60 uh, just over three Uh, he's hovering around elite numbers in IPP 5v5 and power play IPP I think what Timmy did last year you know I've heard of bits and pieces that to your point and I really like Norris as well I do think Norris eats a little bit at his ice time, but I do not think that's going to interfere with Stutzler being at a point-per-game rate. I do not think Norris will play at a point-per-game. I think he'll get around, if he can stay healthy, like 65 to 75 points. That's still awesome, but I think he will score at a, at a higher clip, so potentially 40-goal scorer in, in Josh Norris. But again, like this... This team, I, I really like for offensive upside. And, you know, they proved last year, you know, not so great defensively, which I'm sure Jay's going to go into. <laughs> but uh, they can definitely score with the best of them in this division, even with subtracting the Brinkat. But uh, before I dive any deeper, Jay, what do you think on uh, on uh, uh, Alan's opening remarks? And what do you think about the Sens overall? Yeah, absolutely. I think... Uh I think honestly, Alan touched on a lot of those points that I wanted to mention as well. But I guess I'll jump onto Craig's idea of Stutzla being the best player, and um, this team uh, has shades of Buffalo 
with so many young guys, so many young guns on that team. And truthfully, again, that 15 to 20 first game section where uh, if this team started out hot, do I see this team potentially making some noise uh, into the playoffs too? Maybe, and maybe this is truly their... It's overstated and overplayed, but maybe this is once again a breakout season for another Ontario team. Kachuk um, is an absolute fantasy beast. Uh, you could even argue like he's he might be even better despite being drafted lower uh, fantasy-wise than his brother. Uh, he hits. I, I thought you were going to say he's better than Stutzler. <laughs> he, he might be, but like... <laughs> like he, he, but like he hits... He blocks, uh, well, he doesn't block, he hits and he shoots. He hits and he shoots and he does that over and over and some of those shots go in. Doesn't matter. He shoots, hits the guy who got the rebound and that's exactly what you want in a Cats league, points league, any sort of league. Brady Kachuk is just bonafide. Um, Maybe you'd have some consideration if there's a plus minus, but honestly, he does so much in all those other peripherals. Um, Important to mention, I guess, for this team as well is there is a PP1 QB battle brewing on this team. There's Shabbat, who is obviously the stalwart. He's the, I guess, the entrenched PPQB1, but he's had injury concerns. Um, Chikrin himself obviously has not been entirely healthy either, but everybody remembers that one season where he took over in Arizona and they just signed that new, uh, like like Jake Sanderson, right? They just signed him to, signed him to a new deal. Um, it's pretty hefty. I'm assuming they wouldn't sign him just to have him languish on the third pairing. There are, there are a fair amount of questions that are being made. It's a question to another in terms of forwards on whether or not Tarasenko also in the most, uh, I guess, position-scarce forward slot. Is he going to turn around, come back? You know, can he can he bring veteran Stanley Cup winning experience to these, um, I guess, line mates and locker room? And again, Stutzla. How young is Stutzla? Like, this guy is... Oh, my God. I think his first season was uh, the bubble season. The bubble season, right? Yeah, he's only 22, I believe. 22-year-old with plenty of room to grow. Like, this team and its potential fantasy upside is entirely ready to break out. Um, I didn't even mention Claude Giroux, but if he plays anywhere near his regular floor, this team could be... This team could be some seriously undervalued, underrated fantasy fantasy breakouts. Look, I want to I want to touch because I, I digress. Stutzla it does have an elite I, uh, IPP number five v five and almost elite IPP power play. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't touch on Brady Kachuk. Him and his brother are unicorns in terms of forwards, right? The amount they hit, the amount they shoot. That isn't something that really happens in the game anymore, especially at an elite level from a scoring side of things as well. So like, I think there's tons of value in their top six and, and you touched on it, Jay, there like Claude Giroux is still performing at an elite level. Right. And he's probably going to be playing with Norris and Batherson and don't discredit Batherson. Like Batherson is a very, very good player. Like he was fifth on the team last year in points per 60, you know, pretty strong IPP numbers. Uh, you know, not elite, elite on the power play, which is interesting, IPP numbers. So like that, to me, 
although he's not projected to be on uh, PP1 right now, you know, because of Tarasenko. But I still think Batherson is, is there. But this team, too, is just like uh, uh, similar to the Devils last year. 5v5 underperformed, right? Like they weren't great at scoring 5v5. They were top eight. They were eighth overall uh, in terms of power play. So they were solid, very strong power play, which is not surprising based on the players and the season you got from the likes of Giroux and Stutzla and Kachuk. But they were there is opportunity for positive regression for the whole team from a scoring st- standpoint, 5v5. And I, I find that very intriguing based on the skill level here. Like, I do I go out on a limb? Do I pick my third guy in two divisions that I think is going to hit the 100-point plateau? So I've got Jack Hughes. I've got Tage Thompson. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Stutz is doing it this year. <laughs> he is getting 100 points this year. He's doing it. So that's three. I've got three in a division and a half. <laughs> but I, I want to go back to... Uh, you know, what you said, Jay, their defense is very interesting. I think Shabbat gets PP1 to start. I wouldn't be surprised if at some point, if Tarasenko continues to decline, like he has shown over the last two to three seasons, if they bump Giroux to the right side and bring Chikrin on to the point with Shabbat. Sanderson, to me, is a solid young piece. But he underperformed last year and his underlying numbers aren't great. He's really showing that he might be like a Goss despair, like a like a power play specialist defenseman. But I still think he's got like I still think all three of them have value with offensive upside. A a little maybe a little less from Shabbat. Like Shabbat's kinda like that steady you probably know he's going to get 45 to 55 points, probably somewhere between seven to 10 goals. You know, that's decent, right? But he's not like this, this power play runs through the forwards. It doesn't run through the defenseman at the point, right? Could I see Chikrin or Sanderson taking PP1 from him? Yeah, one, because of his injury history, and two, because he's not as elite as them from the underlying numbers offensively. So that would be an interesting uh, thing to watch coming out of training camp. But I think it's they all have value, uh, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, like I don't think, you know, with Sanderson and Chikrin having elite IPP numbers on the power play, like I think there's a very good possibility that Shabbat isn't the PP1 quarterback by midseason. So definitely something to watch, especially if you're getting elite power play numbers from that team, which I don't see why it would change because DeBrincat didn't have a great season. He didn't really fit in with that team. Is Tarasenko going to fit in? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't particularly like Tarasenko. Like, I think he's a little bit overrated. Uh, but I think, you know, with Norris coming back, Batherson being who he is, I think you even have a little bit of sneaky value in their third line with Shane Pinto and and. Ridley Grigg like I think those are two really nice young pieces uh, who also you know can have a little bit of offensive upside Uh, finally a team in this division that might have some you know big big boy bangers you know led by Brady Kachuk but he's elite so I don't want to classify him as a 
even though he is a big boy banger, but like their whole fourth line hits at, you know, Zach McEwen, Mark Kastelik and Matthew Joseph are all, in my opinion, big boy in the big boy banger club, uh, especially McEwen and Kastelik. Like you're talking upwards of 200 hits uh, last year from both of them. So it's nice to finally find a team with some big boy banger value in the Atlantic division. You know, overall, this team, I think, is going to be better next year uh, or better this year than they were last year, especially hopefully getting a full season from Chikrin and having hopefully better goaltending in Corpus Allo. I know he was really good with the Kings and the Kings are a much more sound defensive team than Ottawa. But like me personally, I'll have Corpus Allo on my draft board as a as a zero G target for sure. Like, I think he's going to get a lot of the starts, if not the bulk of them. And, and you know, 30, 30 wins from him is not out of the question if this team can take a step. Right? Yeah, I mean, he's no Cam Talbot. He's better. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess important to note as well is just, uh, just as we mentioned before, the fantasy is about players outperforming the value of their uh, contracts or I guess their draft capital. Um, both Chikrin and Shabbat are going after after the 100th pick, right? They're 130, 100, and I believe the other was 126 and 132. I could, it, it's in that range. It's in the 120s to 130s. You are probably going to have to draft one of them or both of them if you want them on your team. But again, look around 120, 130. If you still have a power play I guess you're still needing a power play quarterback or a high high end defenseman with upside. Um, look to take one of the two because I think either of those players, Shabbat or Shikrin, stands a pretty good chance of taking Q PP one, and then also both of them are injury risks. So that if you take either, you stand a chance of either vulturing the quarterback position if. Um, if they weren't starting out the season out the gate as that quarterback. Yeah, I think that's going to be something to watch. But like, again, I, I wouldn't shy away from having any of them on my team, especially if it's like my third or fourth defenseman, right? Especially with the upside of getting that power play. And like, I, I want to go back to, you know, because I, I think, again, an undervalued guy, and I think you can get him at value is Jake Batherson. Like, he hit, he sh- he hits, he shoots uh, at a very, you know, very elite level for a winger. And, like, he's still in the top five on that team in IPP, both on the power play and 5v5 and points per 60. So, like, he's a, especially, you know, Alan, I think you mentioned it in the first part of this this division's preview that you know right wing is a shallow position right I don't think Bratherson is going to get forgotten because I think there's a lot of diehards like us that know about him but like he's you know if you can get him fifth through seventh round like that I think that's going to be big value for a guy who's probably going to put up 60 to 65 points and like hit and block or sorry hit and shoot at at an elite level like almost at a similar not to the hits level, but the shots level, like he's not, he's right behind Kachuk. And I'm wondering that's right? why he's getting faded a little bit. Cause there's the whole, was it 
World Hockey Canada or whatever investigation yeah. that he's part of. Like, yeah, I'm wondering yeah, if yeah. he's, yeah. But I mean, Fantrax ADP 98.3. Like, I'm sure if you go back and look at your rosters, like any guy you grabs around that range, you probably dropped at some point. So if you get him around there, yeah, like high risk, high reward situation, like take a swing. But like, like I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say like, uh, with elite offensive ability, having Brady Kachuk, Drake Batherson, and even Timmy Stutes hitting at as they do, like I'm putting the three of them in the big boy bangers club, just because most elite offensive players don't do that in terms of going north. You know, Brady Kachuk fucking almost 300 hits, and then Batherson and and Stutes are gonna be probably be in around the 120 to 130. Most elite level offensive players don't do that, right? So welcome to the big boy bangers club to those three, <laughs> even though Kachuk's already in it, but probably him and his brother are like the leaders of that, te- of that team. <laughs> All right. No, I was going to say great value for Ottawa, but I think the big thing with Ottawa is simply that past Kachuk, past Stutzla, and whoever comes out of that duel for QBPP1, do not be afraid, and I think this has to be repeated again for listeners, probably for shallower leagues, but don't be afraid to drop a player if their schedule doesn't suit the winning that particular week. And I think, obviously, don't drop Brady. Don't drop Stutzla. Um, but Batherson is around that bubble cusp where he has games where he just disappears and they can stretch for a week, for two weeks, or whatever. That could lose you those two weeks that could be pivotal for your fantasy standings at the very end of the year. So don't be afraid. Uh, Be afraid if you are planning to drop Brady Kachuk and Tim Stutzla. Do not do that. But Drake Batherson is up to personal discretion and any name obviously below Drake Batherson. You're not dropping anybody on this team from their top six. It's not happening. No, I disagree with you. <laughs> you cannot drop Jake Batherson. Oh, especially if Giroux is uh, tri-eligible, which I think he was in fan tracks yeah. or something. Yeah, you, you can't drop a tri-eligible guy getting top six. No, I, I, I hear your point, Jay. I understand, like, if you were looking at their top six, you know, he would be maybe on the bubble. But in my opinion, I think as long as Norris is healthy, I don't think their top six changes at all in this, this season. Like, in those... They're going to perform at the high to elite level, in my opinion, just like they did last year. And then they have signs of positive regression 5v5. Like, I don't see them being that slow and that underperforming 5v5 if their power play can continue to sustain what it did last year. So, you know, again, I'm not as excited about them as... I am the Sabres because I am a Leafs fan and we're not supposed to like Ottawa and we are supposed to loathe the next team. Uh, so, but I really like a lot of uh, their young pieces. You know, Stutzla's my boy. He's in one of my my main home league. He's will be one of my keepers this year, which is keep four league. So I put my money where my mouth is. You know, two of my 100-point guys this year, Jack Hughes and Tim Stutzla, are my two of my four keepers in my my main home league that I've been in for 12 years. So I wish I had Tage. I had him last year, but I you know, I had him the year before the breakout. So 
I didn't uh, keep them not thinking, you know, I wasn't super into anal- analytics as I am now. So I didn't look at that stuff. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Oops. It would have been nice to have him last year when he exploded, but I, I tried to get him uh, from the guy who has him now. And, and that didn't, uh, that didn't happen, but you know, I'll take J Rob and uh, uh, I haven't decided on my fourth keeper yet, but as, as a consolation prize, but I digress. So on to our next team so we can keep this ball rolling down the Atlantic division preview. Jay, why don't you, because I know it hurts your soul. Let's uh, kick off the Habs discussion. And then I want Alan to go into, because I need to take a moment before I talk about them. So, (laughs) Thanks, Craig. Oh man. So it won't, it won't be as, it won't be, it won't be as deep a cut for Jay because he he is more new to hockey than I am, but like it's blasphemy in my family to speak of the Habs. My father-in-law and my uncle and my dad, if they hear me say anything positive about this team, like I might not be back on the next show. Like they might, they might, they might end me. <laughs> well, um, not to worry, Craig, because honestly, they will have very, very happy, glowing, joyful things to hear soon. This team is a dumpster fire, and I say that not as a Leafs fan, but just objectively looking for this team. If you were to go on average draft picks, ADP on Yahoo, their highest ADP, Nick Suzuki, is going at 140. In a 10-team league, he might not be drafted. This team is basically only getting drafted by Habs fans, and that might be it. You do not need to worry about missing out on a power play quarterback one because no matter what happens, you missed every single one in the league. There will be one on the waiver wire. Montreal's PPQB one sitting there pretty waiting for you to pick up at your moments, women notice and desire, and you will choose not to. This team is terrible. This team doesn't shoot. Their Nick Suzuki last season played Geez, almost every game. He played every game in the season. He didn't even shoot two shots per game this team doesn't shoot I don't know how they score they don't but they definitely leak one of if not the most goals in the league I think all of their money is still tied up in um Carey Price who is still I I don't know where he he's still hanging out but he's certainly not on the ice this team is not going to score very much this team should not have your draft capital wasted upon If you ever have buyer's remorse, so to speak, don't worry, their whole lineup, their whole roster, PP1, shorthanded one, everyone will be sitting there waiting on your waiver wire and you will still choose not to get them. I can't. I can't believe I opened with a Leafs fan talking about them. I, I, I promise I will be less biased than Jay's opinion of them just being a complete wasteland of nothing. Yeah. Um. There's a, a little bit of value to be had here, I guess. Um, like we talked about, there's uh, some power play D you can get at value at deep value. Mike Matheson, one of those guys. Gets you a little bit of category coverage, but uh, yeah, dude, at least when I checked last, he was not even getting drafted in Yahoo, which is, he's a deep cut. But I, I do want to drop a hot take. I'm so, I'm so proud of what I named this. Yes, 
somebody yeah. else no, doing a hot, hot take hot other take than me. This on. is great. So last year was the year of the Renaissance with Jamie Ben. I I think Sean Sean oh, Monahan could be in don't, for a oh, Monahanaissance, no. guys. Um, <laughs> Left wing lock has some projected. Oh, that is gross. Second line, which isn't saying much. That's so gross. And then a uh, top power play. I mean. The guy's still on the good side of 30, 28. Like, even in Calgary, he was injured all over the place. Like, I'm not saying he'll be point per game or 100 points, but he could be some good value, man. Just try it. But for bangers, we got a big boy banger alert. Wi-Fi. Yes. And actually, I had to look yes. up his name before yes. this because I, I actually wanted to try to pronounce it. Yep. Arbor Jaya. That that one I can actually uh, last, say. He only, yeah. <laughs> but wife, everybody knows uh, wife. And that's funny because he even so. came up with that nickname. I love it. Uh, he only had 15, 16 time on ice last season. So if he, but he had like three hits a game in that. If he got more ice time, that's that equals more bangs. Like, and that uh, I think that makes everyone happy. He is absolutely in in the in the big boy bangers club for sure, for sure. But it's uh it's blasphemy time. It's up to okay, you. Okay, I'm gonna try. I'm <laughs> I'm gonna try to you know continue to give the people what they want. I don't. I, I hate this team. Let's be real here, okay? But I don't think it's a fantasy wasteland like Jay does. <laughs> Although I do find the players that I'm going to talk about, even though I actually really like Nick Suzuki. I think he is a really good young player with some upside. He just unfortunately plays for the Habs. He, you know, his underlying numbers from an IPP standpoint aren't great, but they aren't bad. But again, I think that we touched on this in the Metro preview. To me, this is a team similar to the Isles with a less with even maybe a lower floor, you probably are only going to see two players north of 65 points. And that's Cole Caulfield and Suzuki. And that, to me, Cole Caulfield is probably their only guy you're going to see elite numbers from eventually. His IPP numbers don't speak that, but he is leading the team in points per 60 based on last year. You know, approaching that three points per for 60 that's pretty good playing with you know nobody except for Suzuki they'll have Kirby Doc on the left wing he does come with high draft pedigree from when he got drafted by Chicago he just has yet to break out he's a big dude he's skilled he has almost he does you know showcase almost elite level IPP on the power play which is interesting. He's going to probably, he'll take uh, Jonathan Drouin's spot on PP1 uh, now that Drouin's gone to the Avs. Uh, so I think their whole top line has legitimacy and is all going to be within 65 to 75 points this year. Caulfield being the upside goal scorer, you know, probably if he can stay healthy, probably between 30 and 40 goals because he does shoot a crap ton, right? Like he's going to be north of 250 shots on the season easy and those three guys if they stick together for the season are going to get premium deployment like they're all going to get more than 19 minutes of advice time they're all going to get power play one 
like they to me are your three targets in your draft later on if you can get them in you know ninth through 11th i think that's pretty good value for top line players especially if they're going to you know be that 70 plus point player i think caulfield will go earlier than that because everybody there's still a lot of people that are very high on him uh you know you touched on on wi-fi you know there's people that actually think Alex Newhook could break out, but you know, he has high draft pedigree from where he got drafted by the Habs, but he's done nothing uh, since he got drafted and he played with better players uh, with the Avs uh, than he's going to play with this season. You know, he's projected to be with uh, Christian Dvorak and Josh Anderson. Meh. Maybe Newhook is a, you know, a watch list guy or a last pick in the draft and see what happens. Uh, But like, I really, you know, if it's not top line and then Mike Matheson and then in categories leagues for hits, uh, Wi-Fi, like it's, you know, sorry, Alan, I disagree with your Monahan is a (laughs) he's a ghost of himself. He's a shell of himself. Uh, from his, you know, heyday when he was actually good with the Flames. Uh, it's it's hard to enjoy talking about this team, but, like, to me, if the you can get a, you know, those their top line is going to be on my draft board. Uh, and then, you know, I think, you know, there's, there's value for Mike Matheson that, you know, some people might pass on. You know, they're... Well, power play wasn't good last year, let's be real. But, you know, I don't know if it's going to be as bad. But to, for me, yeah, I think it's their top line and Mike Matheson and, you know, our big boy banger uh, in Wi-Fi. Uh, I, I don't know if there's anybody else that, you know, I would consider targeting from this team. Uh, you know, Harvey Pin- Pinard. He's got some interesting underlying numbers. They're rookie from last year, um, but he's not going to get the deployment that he's going to need to produce just yet. Uh, same with uh, the Russian kid, who I'm not even going to remotely pronou- try to pronounce his name, who they drafted last year. I think they're going to protect both of them, you know, on third and fourth line minutes. But, you know, it's somebody, too, to keep their eye on if they were ever to get, you know, deployment with Suzuki or Caulfield or Doc in the top six. I don't think it's going to be this year. But yeah, if it's not Caulfield, Suzuki, and Doc for me, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm out. Like, like <laughs> the final word on Montreal really is that, is there definitely deployment upside? Of course, because so much, so much of that roster is not being drafted. So if you want to step up and take any of them, you probably will find them available on that draft board. The problem really is that if we went back just one team that we talked about to Ottawa, the top scorer on the Habs would would be number six. Number six or number seven, if I remember correctly, on Ottawa. Just ahead of Kublik. Well, Caulfield did miss... Caulfield did miss a lot of time last year, so I think he's going to be their top scorer this year. And, you know, 30 goals, 70-plus points is not out of the question for him. Like, he's a very good player. And, he, you know, Suzuki is a decent playmaking center in his own right. 
So like, I think those two, if they can stay healthy, will be, you know, their only, you know, higher upside guys, higher upside, you know, 70 plus points. But I, I, you know, nobody is elite on this team. Let's throw it out there. Nobody's elite yet. Caulfield might be. Suzuki, meh, kind of, maybe. Caulfield at 36. But none of them are elite. 36 points in 46 games. That's pretty good. But, again, is that is that not value that you could potentially pick up on a waiver? Would you definitely burn an early draft pick? I would not. So maybe a late round flyer? If you do, I want to play in your league. I would draft. <laughs> yeah, I I would I would drive I would draft Caulfield and Suzuki and Doc, not on all on one team, but I would draft them. <laughs> that said, if I got Doc and not the other two, I would be very quick to drop Doc if he does not produce because he could fall in the same line as Druen. You know, very hot and cold, even playing with. Caulfield and Suzuki that he didn't really do much with Chicago. That's why they let him go. Right. Like he, he would be the one that I would drop very quickly for a streaming opportunity. I would not take him till much, much later in the draft, but Caulfield's going to get drafted. Suzuki's going to get drafted. The only reason I can see myself ever drafting any of these players on Montreal, and this is not a Leafs fan hater or anything, but the only reason I could see it is if, (laughs) When we take a look at glance, when we take a glance at week one schedules, and Montreal has a ton of off days, I will treat that late round draft pick as a week one early flyer, and that is it. And he is gone after the week one ends. That's the only way I would see myself drafting any of these players. Is there is there any uh, goalie topics? <laughs> they you got talk some about guys. Uh, they might stop some pucks, but no. Um, I interesting take like i assume jake allen would be the kind of starter maybe get like 55 percent of that share but uh i think the the dauber thingamajig uh you threw at us was uh kind of leaning toward montembeau but i guess if he did have the better save percentage that's great but i mean i don't i don't think Montreal's trying to win anything so why why would you put the better goalie in but anyway <laughs> uh you're play at your own risk like if if your league values just bulk saves, one of them might be a great spot start or something. But other than that, no, those those guys are going to get shelled. If if you have like goals against as a category or something, no, stay away. Look, I I do want to give you know the listeners another category guy. If I was in a categories league, you know, and it being a position of scarcity, you know, Josh Anderson is still viable from a hits and shots standpoint with a little bit of points upside although the team is a low scoring team I was a fan of his when he was with Columbus but like he went from one bad team to another and he has a hard time staying healthy but you know with right wing being so shallow you know if you're in a team you know I thinking about a league that I was in last year you had five right wing spots hard to fill that you know Josh Anderson is decent depth piece in a, in a in a circumstance like that just from a category standpoint just because you know as we talked about in the in part one you're finding less and less you know offensive forwards that actually hit right just a small small side note to a categories guy uh from 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 this team right 
So yeah, I let I, and you know that's they're the Habs, man. Like I can't talk <laughs> about them anymore. My 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 eyes are gonna start to bleed. <laughs> so we're gonna try to keep this at an hour twenty. Uh, we're about to get into the, the hopefully the fanboy doesn't come out of all three of us. Uh, but we're gonna close off the Atlantic Division uh, with. They're the two teams of all the love uh, from the taxi squad with the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, so, Alan, I will give you the floor for Tampa, and yeah, uh, might, Jay might and I will back. try to fill the, the pick up the pieces af- if you give it back to us. But remember, you're talking to the two guys that are going to close <laughs> yeah. out the show are both Leafs fans, <laughs> so we still have to talk about them. Um, no, uh, so I'd say the biggest <laughs> caveat about drafting more than one Tampa player is they have the least amount of off nights uh, with 17. Um, so especially if you grab Braden point, I would not stack. Well, I mean, Kutrov, you have like that right wing scarcity, but I, I would not try to stack up unless it was like one of their skaters and Vazzy. but they're, yeah, just uh, off those back-to-back cup seasons. They're very top heavy. Now uh, those guys, you must like, if you can get them where they're worth their value, Stamkos, Kucherov, Point, Vasilevsky-ish, like I, I wouldn't take him at nineteen, like some people at Yahoo are doing, but he's definitely one of the Yuck. Yeah, Yahoo. Um, <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't take him at nineteen. Um, but I, every draft I've been in, he's one of the first two, three goalies off the board. I so yeah, I gotta, I gotta correct a few things I've, i know i've heard some some people talk about um first off like eh, people are worried about stam coast not being on that top line like he really hasn't been on there in a couple seasons like <laughs> that second line with either nick paul or anthony sorelli as the center with stam coast and it used to be Kalorn. um that's that's been the second line for for kind of a while they would stack point cooch stamkos when they need some clutch scoring but that was never stamkos's main line is that that first line the whole headman sergachev debate uh headman got injured at one point like so i i think it made sense to the team not to put keep pushing headman for all those minutes rest him up like i, I imagine if if it was a matter of we weren't going to make the playoffs they probably would have just shut him down for the season but uh, no, they they had him play those more real hockey relevant minutes and like Serge do power play, which in Serge's rookie season, he he was up there quite a bit. Uh, they let him run with it for a little bit. Um, but now I think uh, with they just signed Sergachev, Sorelli, uh, Chernak to those big contracts like this could be the season where we start to see see them lean on that kind of new core of those three. So uh, is it Hedman or Sergachev? I don't know. Flip a coin. My heart says Hedman. I think it's got it. Oh, sorry. I know. I was just gonna say. I bet you your heart says. Oh, Hedman, my heart says Hedman. So bad that beautiful Swede. But like, um, but my mind says it's Sergachev. He quarterbacked that power play to a top three finish. Yeah. Like, they were a top three power play. They were third in the he league. He got the smaller share, so like I, but he converted more. Yeah, I, I think he made their power play more elite when he was at the point. Uh, but carry on. Yeah. I don't. I don't no, want to. Um, I don't want uh, to interrupt. Brandon Hagel. Like uh, some people are dropping their jaws at 
Some people are dropping their jaws at that contract they signed Hagel to, but uh, he's shown he can ride shotgun with Point and Sergachev. Um, it looks like he's projected for top power play this season. I I think that's a like the I guess the biggest comparable would be like a Troy Terry contract. I think that's very fair value for Hagel, especially what they gave up to get him. Um, and I would say the the couple other guys to keep an eye on, big boy banger. Eric Chernak, Ivan Drago himself, uh, he freaking bangs if you need a, a hit streamer. Um, and Tanner Janot, I, God, like that. Big boy banger club, yeah, baby. Big boy uh, so banger club. Only Radko Gudis had more hits over the last two seasons than Tanner Janot. What? Um, Say and that again. from Nashville, he's got that. Yeah, only Radko Gudis, bang daddy Gudis. Had more hits over the last two seasons than Tanner Janot. That's insane. Um, and we know he's got some scoring pedigree. Uh, and I I know they gave up an entire draft class to get him. But I really like that third line left wing lock has of Janot, Paul, and Isamont. That could be a really pesky line to play against. Which I think was what they were trying to recreate with uh, having to lose Goodrow, that was two uh, year, Coleman, That was two years Gord. ago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's that. That's and Vazzy's good. Uh, he'll start like if he can start every game. He might start every game, <laughs> but I hope he doesn't because that's not a good idea. Um, uh, we have a backup. I don't know if it, if we'll actually roll out uh, Jonas Johansson, Johansson, whatever, or uh, if we'll call up one of the guys from the minors, like what is it, Hugo Algafont or something like that. Um, but yeah, I. Yeah, they're going to roll Vazzy for like 80 games. And I, I really hope they don't. Um, it just doesn't bode well for the playoffs, but uh, yeah, no, you guys, do you have any, anything? No, I think, I think you hit it. And like, my question remains is like, you know, Stamkos, like right now he's projected to be with point and Kucherov on the, on the, on the top line. And I, I don't know how that no, that's changes. a like that's a like a empty net like you need some clutch last minute scoring is where you stack those three well it's interesting you say that because from the stats that i read you know pre pre-show stamkos skated in those tough minutes with sorelli and Kloran as almost like their uh you know their defensive first second line so that's why you know, and he still performed offensively, right? Uh, but like Hagel, Kucherov, and Point saw the most offensive zone minutes, right, together. And Hagel proved that, you know, as that checking, puck chasing forward, that he could hold his own on that line. So I think, he, to your point, I think he's going to be right there. I don't like the contract they gave him, but I still think he has really good value especially if he's back up with them with point and kucherov on the top line which i believe he will will be stream and or late pick yeah no no i think he's draftable 100 if he's he's in their top six they're paying him like he's in their top six he's going to be on their power play again he has no competition anymore from Kaloran. like his competition for Top six minutes is what Jano and Sherry Connor, Connor Sherry. and Connor Sherry like Jano maybe but like I I would see Jano knocking Connor Sherry out of the top six versus knocking Hagel out of the top six and that's what, yeah that's what I like I really like that that third line left wing lock has but I could see Jano moving up to 
with uh, Sorel. I like Hegel took a pretty good step. His IPP 5v5 is, you know, approaching elite. Like he's not Kucherov. He's not like, but it's like he's, his IPP 5v5 was higher than Stamkos, higher right in line with point last year and higher than Kaloran's. He's not great on the power play, uh, but like none of them are no, except it's, like, it's Kucherov, uh, except for Stamkos from the office and whoever's rocking the blue line. But Stamkos doesn't even have elite IPP power play numbers. Like he is a, like the guys that are elite on the power play are are Kuch and Sergachev, like on your PP one, right? And then <laughs> which is which is hilarious. So like Ross. Ross, Ross Colton. Colton. He, yeah, he's with the Abs is now. He, is he even project? Is it, oh, he's with the Habs now. Okay, like his numbers are crazy. Like what the hell? <laughs> to me, he was that uh, that guy that could never quite put it together for us. Like he had some some clutch moments, but I he couldn't. I, to me, he couldn't consistently put it together. The only thing that's concerning for me is like uh, we're old. Stamp. <laughs> yeah, you're old, and like Stamkos did show a decline last year, and was it because he was playing a more defensive-minded game because of the line he was with, or is it because he's old? I could see uh, it as the team is not as deep. Like I still think they're going to be good. Like they're still a very yeah, with the good the team. New England pa- uh, New England Patriots of the the Atlantic Division. <laughs> Alan, I guess. I guess this question would be worth asking. Do you do you personally hold any lightning normally in your drafts? Uh yeah, in my keeper league. I so I actually I took Kucherov in the first round back when you did not draft him in the first round. Like so it was absolute forty chess, but it was like one of those <laughs> moves where it's like I wanted to hold a player that I could cheer for. Right. Right. That worked out really well then. My goodness. Yeah, yeah. Except I think back, I don't know who I could have taken instead back when that league started. But yeah, I took Cooch like third, fourth overall. Now, would you say currently, because I'm looking at their draft like on ADPs and all those, um, would you say any of the top three, obviously those top three guys, Cooch, Points, Stamkos, like, do you think any of them currently can outperform their ADP and which one? Mm. Cooch can. You I think, think so. like Cooch is Cooch, going about yeah. nine? I. I still think Cooch I, has I would an say op- Cooch and Pasta are probably very very similar yeah. players. So yeah, but not by much. Maybe I think Cooch can like a, a, the decline that Stamco showed last year concerns me. I'm not saying that you don't draft him. Uh, point I think regresses a bit. Oh, yeah. I don't think he scores at. I don't think he scores at the same clip as he did last year. But like I still think like they're they're all the three of them are elite if, top if level anything, players, I'd right? Question Stamkos's current ADPs. Maybe point would take a little later. Like there, uh, there are a couple other centers I would take before point at that ADP. But I, I like Stamkos for that that dual eligibility, especially if you count faceoffs, because they he's got left wing, but he he takes quite a few faceoffs. Uh, there's a there was a reason they stack him with Sorelli. Agreed. Yeah, I just think I, I think Sorelli, just because inter- Sorelli sucks at faceoffs. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I just think in terms of, I guess, like draft capital, I think it's difficult to, I guess, squeeze value out of Tampa, not because Tampa players are bad. It's because they're too good and they've won cups and everybody now knows these names. Everybody's used to seeing these guys and they just expect that these players will produce night in, night out when they might not perform up to their draft capital and they don't give you that significant value. Like, I was looking at Sergachev and Hedman, and they're still getting drafted, like, you know, round five, round six. And if you throw... But Hedman, you used to get him, he used to be one of the first three or four D off the board. Um, But yeah, just that uncertainty with with power play now. Which would indicate, honestly, that both Hedman and Sergachev, if there's any value to be, I think... I guess drafted from from the Lightning, it's probably in the PP QB ones where PP one QBs where which player is going. If one of them runs away with it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's the value. Oh, I still think you still you still have three thirty five goal scorers. Let's be real yeah. here. Like Point, Kucherov, and Stamkos are all going to be in and around thirty five goals, if not a little bit more. And I still think. Hegel runs into 30 if he stays healthy and stays on that top line. So, like, you still have four very viable scoring forwards, 100%. And one is still elite. Like, and he proved that last year. Like, Kucherov is elite. And, like, you know, I appreciate your honesty, Alan, but I could, I can still see a world where Kuch finishes top five in out, fantasy output right as a forward like there it still could can happen that's how good he still is right like in the underlying numbers show that man like he's still elite and like way above second on the team in ipp of point like he's elite in ipp on 5v5 he's elite, ridiculously elite on ipp on the power play and the only person that's over four points per 60 on the team. Like he, he can still be a top five fantasy player in my, and if you get him late, if you get him late in the first, or even I've seen a couple of mocks uh, that he's gone like f- two, one, two, two, like that's fucking crazy. <laughs> like that. He would drop into that's, the second I think, round. Uh, one of the drafts <laughs> I did apples and Geno's like he fell to like the middle of the second round. Like I thought I was going to get him on like, the, the swing back Craig I have to ask though Tage or Cooch <laughs> Tage <laughs> well what what uh, what uh, positions does Tage have if Tage still has if he's uh, center right I'm, wing just, then if, I think uh, he's still dual eligible I don't I don't think he will be I think the platforms adjust. will adjust uh, and he'll only be center this year but if he's still dual eligible as as of right now, which means he'll be dual eligible for mm. drafts, um, but in 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 reality, Jay, like me personally, being a fanboy, it's Tage, but Cooch will outscore Tage overall points mm. if Cooch stays healthy. In my my opinion, I I think Tage scores more goals, uh, just because he shoots at a higher clip, mm. but I think Cooch will outperform him point like overall points talking you know let's say i'm right and tage gets like 105 <laughs> or 102 like like cooch is probably at and he stays healthy for the whole season cooch is probably at like 110 110, 115 I totally right? see it i totally so, see it 
it depends what you're targeting, right? Like, like, do you want goals or do you want overall performance, right? Like Cooch is probably still going to have 40 plus power play points. I can still, I, I think Tage maybe has a little less because he's more of the trigger man on the power play where Cooch does a little bit of everything, mm-hmm. right? Like he doesn't necessarily shoot all the time. And, and please, Alan, if I'm no, 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 speaking no. out of turn, right? Like, there's still a lot of shots on the power play from Stamko. Sergachev shot a lot when he was there to Allen's point. Like Sergachev didn't get the same deployment when Hedman was healthy, but he produced better when he was with the elite players. So to me, that gives him the edge at the PP one. Uh, and it's just like, I hate the contract that Hegel got, but like, I still think Hegel walks backwards into 30 goals and 70 points. Like I still think he's very valuable. But I feel like he's he's earned yeah. that that right to be there. Like I don't think they really juggle, try to juggle Connor Sheary or even Tanner Janot. Connor Sheary, like what? <laughs> I think he's a very serviceable <laughs> sh- replacement for Kalorn. I never. I feel like I feel like the team would have been better with Kalorn. Like I I know he outperformed he last got the year. Bag, like, man. He's never he done that before. But like that's what happened to Kalorn. Like Connor Sh- Connor Sheary. Like that that that's what. What is that? <laughs> that was. That was I was actually looking up too. I don't even know who the backup goaltender is because it feels like Vazzy plays every uh, game. It's either, like I said, it's either Jonas Johansson, who they signed in the offseason, oh. or they might try to call up uh, Hugo Allenfeld or whatever his name is from the minors. <laughs> right. Hugo Allenfeld comes with some good uh, prospect pedigree, but that was a few years ago. He hasn't really turned anything into anything like they thought he was when he since he's come to uh, North America. And yes, I know that's me talking prospects. I used to be super heavy into Dynasty. I can't handle it anymore. It melts my brain. It's too much. <laughs> I guess the, the last one for super deep fantasy value as well would be if you are in a bangers, like look for Tyler Mott. Like I, I, I feel like he's just a human pinball. Yeah, that... God, that came out of nowhere. It's like uh, Archibald pieced out and, oh, hey, in the same hour, we're signing Tyler Mott. <laughs> and like he... He does get hurt a lot, so I will caveat and like say that where it it feels like you add him onto the lineup and then he bangs for two games and then the weekend swing where you're relying on your waiver wire ad, you're super excited. He goes on day to day and IR ten like you know, like IL ten and it's it's brutal. It's a brutal experience. But Tyler Mott, honestly, if you need bangs, um, he is a low cost uh, easy, almost guaranteed waiver wire pickup for for usage. Is he a bit? Is he is he a big boy banger or is he, he just like, like a an average small boy banger? banger? I don't know. Or maybe maybe. <laughs> oh, he's like a small boy. But he's big boy he's banger. A big and boy. Training. He's a he's a big boy discount <laughs> banger. That's what he is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right. Well, we we it's time we did okay. That we did, <laughs> oh, wait wait before before we get into that. I want to leave. I want to leave you with closing remarks on your team, Alan. Closing remarks on your team, or closing thoughts, or a thought. <laughs> they good. All right, next. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jay. Before I dive too deep into my my feelings and stuff, I'll let you kick it off with our final team of our Atlantic Division preview, and you take us with your opening thoughts on on the Leafs. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, following up with a caveat, like, thanks, Craig. I know um, 
it's both our teams and you know we obviously want you know we hear we hear all the leaf jokes year after year but um these aren't the playoffs right these are the parts of the season that don't matter that the leafs can actually do you know <laughs> well in and um the big the big one obviously is if you have the first round draft pick take connor mcdavid and honestly i think afterwards there's a tier where you can choose any between McKinnon or whomever, but Austin Matthews is up there. He is elite fantasy upside. And yes, there was slight, I guess, um, there was a bit of a dip last season, but Austin Matthews, um, new contract, big contract, um, take him. Take him if you can't. If you can't get Connor McDavid, take Austin Matthews. And a lot of the Leafs fall into similar veins like that where they... Will prop they definitely need to be drafted. They are most likely going to be overdrafted. But if you have the option to get an elite centerman or an elite right winger like Marner or Nylander, um, take that position scarcity value. There are other exciting moments that you can drop further down, such as Bertuzzi, who's stepping in probably on a top line with good value, where he can definitely produce at a high clip. It is a question of whether or not there are going to be enough Leafs fans in your drafts where they're going to skew his ADP. But generally speaking... The Which Leafs, Leaf fans always do, let's be real. <laughs> we overdraft our players all the time. Right. Um, don't buy in to the Klingberg nonsense. There is still going to be the same sheriff in town in terms of the PP1 quarterback. It is going to be Morgan Riley. He is dropping in drafts because some people are believing and buying into the nonsense. Do not be one of them. Take Morgan Riley when you have the chance. That is an elite power play. That is an elite top scorer in the league. Aside from the top guys, though, and maybe fringe power play potential players, uh, the Leafs are kind of a kind of a fantasy desert as well. There are many more players that are going to be um, getting, I guess getting draft capital spent and spilled on them when they they aren't really that good aside from that top power play line. Samsonov had some good moments the previous season, but honestly, I do not think aside from Austin Matthews, Nylander, Tavares, Marner, and Riley that the other players in the league are going to be championship game-changing winners for you. Now, whether or not in your super deep league they get an additional block or a hit possibly, but the value for the Toronto Maple Leafs in terms of a fantasy standpoint is most likely overdrafted and overvalued, and you can probably find some better gems in other teams. I take a deep breath before I dive into this one. <laughs> Look, I think everything you said holds holds true Jay I think you know if you can get Austin Matthews in the top five and you offer an opportunity to get him I think you take him I don't think you draft him before McDavid I don't think you draft him before Dreisaitl but taking him at three is not crazy but me personally yeah I think top five in the league for sure uh, he has elite IPP numbers uh, 5v5, he has elite IVP, IPP numbers. Interestingly enough, he had a down season last year, he, but la- the year before that, he was the lead on the power play. He was the lead on, on, on 5v5. Uh, 
but last year was a little bit of a, of a slip. Uh, there was some rumors that he was hurt and battling some stuff, but never really talked about. You know, Marner was their best player last year, which kind of scared the living shit out of me because he frustrated the hell out of me for the past two years, you know, being kind of, you know, not the best two-way, not playing two-way hockey like I would like him to, but he proved himself last year as, you know, a very, very viable and elite player, uh, leading the team in points per 60, leading the team in in uh, IPP 5v5, and the only person that was better than him on the power play was Tavares uh, in terms of IPP. So he is, Marner and Matthews are elite, I would say if you draw if Marner drops in any of your drafts to or the early second that's ridiculous value because I think he could finish you know top 12 in fantasy output especially if Mar- if Matthews b- bounces back which I believe he will uh will he be a 60 goal scorer I'm not entirely sure about that because I think he's also working on rounding out his whole complete game as well now that he's been especially now he's been paid you know Willie is Willie he's elite in terms of his points output the underlying numbers his points per 60 is third on the team last year but you know his IPP is close to elite 5v5 but his IPP on the power play is last year wasn't the greatest and I think Jay would probably agree with me he does disappear at times but you know He's still an elite player at the right wing. He's going to be playing with Tavares uh, on the second line, and he's going to be on the on the top power play, which was second the second top, the best second best power play in the league last year. I don't see how that changes, especially if you get a bounce back year from Matthews. I digress because I'm trying to get back to the page I was on. Yeah, your additions: Tyler Bertuzzi, Max Domi. Uh, Bertuzzi I'll hit on that he's going to be the best left winger that Matthews and Marner have ever played with if he stays healthy for once I think he walks backwards into 40 goals uh, he's a playmaking winger but I think it's going to be easy for him to score because all the attention will be on Matthews and Marner according to daily Faceoff, he is projected to be on the second power play so you're looking for 5v5 scoring from them anyways in terms of value so me, in terms of value picks, is Bertuzzi. And a lot of people are saying Domi, but Domi's really not a points guy. He's kind of a scrappy player, playmaker. He fills in spots where he's needed and adapts his game. He's projected by Daily Faceoff to be on the second line with Tavares and, and Willie. I don't see that. I see Matthew Nyes in that spot. And if Matthew Nyes gets that spot, watch out for this kid. He looked legitimate from the eye test when he was there before he got hurt in the playoffs and he was and he was driving play i really like him as a potential breakout candidate if he lands in our top six i think he could easily be in that 55 to 60 point conversation like those two guys are huge value for me late in in your drafts not even being a leafs fan if you're looking for you know sidecar players to the four the the big four from the leafs Defensively, I tend to agree with Jay that I would like to think that Riley isn't going to get bumped from PP1. I do think that because of what they paid 
Klingberg, he is going to see some PP1 time. Uh, whether he takes that from Riley or not, it remains to be seen. I personally don't think it's going to happen either. Riley was our best player, our, arguably our one of our best players in the playoffs. Uh, and I think he'll have a better season offensively this year, especially if Matthews bounces back. I don't, honestly, I don't understand the Kingbird signing at all. He is Jake Gardner 2.0. I wish he wasn't on the team. They paid him way too much money, which probably gives him more deployment than he should get. He is a sieve defensively. It's not going to be fun watching him. He does have some elite offensive upside, but he hasn't shown that in two years. Okay, so I think please don't draft Klingberg. Put him on your watch list. Just because he's with this team doesn't mean he's going to be good again all of a sudden, nor do I think he's going to get anything north of 17 minutes per I- uh, of ice time because he can't play defense, right? And this team is in win-now ma- win mode, uh, and they aren't going to, I would hope, they're not going to put up with a guy who can't play defense, even if he's have you know having a, a great offensive season. You know, big bag, big boy bangers, and also a new addition, Ryan Reeves. Uh, I understand why they brought him in. He's there to do a job, but he's a big boy banger. He's going to hit for sure. He's going to get minimal deployment, but he's definitely on that big boy banger club. I like Jake McCabe as a categories defenseman. He contributes in all three main defensive categories, blocks, hits, and shots. Uh, it doesn't have much points upside, but he, you know, he's going to get 20 plus minutes a night. Uh, so he's a, 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 a legitimate categories defenseman in terms of depth. Uh, uh, yeah, I think you hit on Samsonov. Samsonov is, I, if he's going to get overdrafted, I won't target him because I know he's going to get overdrafted, but you know, he's going to, 30, 35 wins are not out of the question. They're going to finish top five, top three in the division. And then it, uh, who the hell knows what happens to them in the playoffs. Uh, Lilligren, depending on, like he's projected to be with Giordano, also has a little bit of sneaky uh, category coverage across all three of the main categories, blocks, hits, and shots on goal. He has a little bit of sneaky f- offensive upside, but not with this team because he won't get the deployment. And then Sam Lafferty as well, also a big boy bangers uh, in terms of what's relative to the Leafs. Uh, he's going to toss the body around as well. And then, you know, zero G category for me is uh, is is Wall. I think he's going to get 30% of the starts. If Samsonov falters a little bit, I think he might steal some starts from him as well. He did play well last year. So, you know, he could be a sneaky third goalie for some people and, 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 or somebody to put on your watch list if somebody, something happens, happens to Samsonov. But if they want to play Martin Jones for at least a oh, third yeah. of the games, I've, I, I, I'm fine with that. <laughs> I forgot they signed him. That's like, it's, I think that's just a depth signing. Yeah, they have d- no- yeah you got a human turnstile and John Klingberg and a human sieve with Martin Jones. <laughs> I, I don't know what you're going for. I think Martin Jones is just a depth piece that, Oh, yeah, is there yeah, because there's nobody else behind well, Joseph is, Wall. Is Wall so. waivers eligible? I'm sure that... I believe so. I believe so. Yeah, yes. there you go. There you go. Is Matt Murray still there? It looks like it. Uh, he's LTR retired. Gotcha. Yeah. gotcha. LTI, LTIR retired, yeah. 
yeah so there's lots like there's there's it's a great top heavy fantasy team with a couple of depth pieces that I think people should look at from a category standpoint and then you know for me it's it's nice and oh my god and Bertuzzi but I love if Bertuzzi can stay healthy I think you see a huge opportunity for value from him mm. and that's a big if he hasn't done that almost his whole career but the guy produces uh, when he's healthy so and, and like I said he's the best left winger that those two guys have ever played with uh, so I think there's there's very much opportunity for him to break out if he can play 82 this year for sure. And Matthew Nice as well. And if there's an injury and one of them gets some power play time, I think that even bolsters their value even more. Uh, but they're both going to get run, you know, 16, 17 minutes of ice time for sure. You know, again, do, do they both walk backwards into 60 points if they stay with those two lines? I think so. I think I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities. So, Alan, I don't know, man. I'm going to take another deep <laughs> breath. No, um, so I, Bertuzzi is a guy I'm definitely keeping my eye on. My only concern is coaches do that stupid thing where they don't put the players together that actually score, and he gets bumped down, and they rotate between, like, Domi, not, whatever. They throw bullshit and, and not unite Matthews, Marner, and Bertuzzi like they should. Um... I don't know. Samsonov going at 132 on fan tracks. I, especially in a categories league, he will definitely get wins. Um, 100%. Yeah, I'd, I I wouldn't mind taking him there. But that's interesting. You guys say that, like, no, Klingberg can go fuck himself. It's <laughs> Riley's power play. I. So you think Klingberg's more of a, like, a depth, like, something happens to Riley, or they want to play Riley for the real minutes they have... They have Klingberg they can throw out there. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take an unbiased approach. Unfortunately, for what they paid him, he is going to get power play one time. I so maybe at least, like 50, 50, 60, 40. At least early in the season, he's there gonna go. take power play time away from Riley. Unfortunately. Uh do I think it's the right decision? Uh, no. Uh, but it's going to happen. Does that mean Klingberg's draftable? Very, I, I, very late, maybe. Very, very, very late, or if something happens in training camp that indicates he's going to get the bulk of PP1, then yeah, okay. That maybe makes him more viable, but I don't think he just takes it from Riley right away. And uh, do, do you think uh, Nylander stays a leaf this whole season do you think they keep him as an own rental uh because because they're in win now mode yes he stays a leaf the whole season and then if they can't sign him after the season they'll move him pretty quickly i think so that he doesn't walk for nothing um but like i i'll be you know transparent i think what you know similar to what we're talking about the sand the sends like shabbat's not elite on the power play Right, I think that's why Chikrin's there. I think that's why Sanderson got drafted. This is why Klingberg was brought in. Uh, as good as Riley has been over the last few years, and yes, they played him. The they paid him like a like a number one. He is not an elite power play quarterback. He's not like his IPP is subpar on the power play. And it's it's not good. That's why I think they are taking the chance on Klingberg that he might actually 
work and and be the player he was two years ago, two years ago or three years ago. I feel like it's been longer than that because I remember taking Klingberg his contract year with the Stars and he got injured like immediately. I'm like, oh, fuck this guy. I think it was three or four years ago. I was promised contract play. And like why, like I, I understand it's all relative of like if somebody offers you a contract or not, but like why he thought he could go and like become his old self in Anaheim. Is I beyond, so is beyond me. Rumor is that uh, kind of the same thing that supposedly happened to Tarasenko. Like uh, he might have had some other offers on the table, but they were for less money, and so like he was it got like uh, mad at his agent, or it was like <laughs> that was pretty much he had to like take that offer or nothing for the season. Yeah, like just just as you know, looking d- deeper into the numbers, like. The Klingberg's IPP on the power play is 14, almost 15 points better than Riley's. So, like, he's here because of that, right? Like, their IPP 5v5 is actually very similar, but he's much more of an uh, of a contributor offensively in terms of playmaking and puck distribution uh, and points chance, chance production on the power play than than Riley is, so I don't see how he doesn't take at least some time early, if not the bulk of the time early, because that they paid him way too much to just sit on the third pairing and play 15 minutes a night and you know have some offensive upside like if they wanted him to do just that they would have tried to get him at like the vet minimum in my opinion right. Because that's what they're going to do to Geo, right? Mm-hmm. I know Geo. Oh, that's older, what they so did like, to Geo. I yeah. I saw that deal. I'm like, oh, fucking! Only the Leaves get away with that. <laughs> I know. I know Geo is older, and he's not, you know, Norris winning Geo from five years ago. But like, that's to me the contract you give to to Klingberg if you want him to just come and play third pairing minutes. Right, not four point two million. I think it was four point two, four point one, something like Wait, that. For yeah, Kling, I four, thought it was more than that. Four point one or four point seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 4.15. Yeah, like he even has a slightly better IPP five v five than Riley does too. So like he's a better, better at generating op- offense. Correct. He's better at generating offense than Riley. And and as much as I love Riley as a fan, like I think Riley is a byproduct of who he's played with over the last five or six years offensively right like he's 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 more rounded as a defenseman now but offensively he's a byproduct of who he's played with because he and 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 my father-in-law and i have this conversation all the time and my uncle like on a on an elite team riley is not a one he's not he is not a one he's in their top four defensemen maybe number three he's not elite in in my opinion He's not, I think he can play top pairing, but on a good, very elite team, he's not a number one. And that's just my opinion from watching him for so long. <laughs> I, I think Riley is, at the end of the day, the best Toronto Maple Leaf defenseman. And oh, 100%. So 100%. He's, he's paid as such. Um, he in some ways is unfairly compared to Austin Matthews, who's a generational player. And he's he's deserving not 
I, I don't I don't know if we're going to complain about his contract when all the other contracts with the Leafs are complained about, but he, in terms of fantasy, <laughs> he, in terms of fantasy, I think is deserving of his draft capital with the expectation that he'll be PP1 QB. And I think Klingberg, if you were to, if, if anyone was to believe that Klingberg would have the power play quarterback set up for him, then he should definitely be taken early and snagged. But I don't believe that. I don't think the value of getting such a lucrative power play having quarterbacked it with the assists and the goals that come with it, um, that value is not John Klingberg. He might have sneaky waiver wire upside and stay stay tuned, you know, stay tuned with, you know, the Twitter updates and with the, you know, like the, the morning skates. Like definitely look and check the box scores for the time on ice. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Like Morgan Riley is going to be that guy. And then maybe Klingberg steal some all right alan any closing <laughs> thoughts on the leaves no no I, uh, I i loved stirring the pot on this one a little bit all right well i think that uh we do have one more thing one more item to do just like we did with the metro we want to close it off we're going to do your top three teams in the division and you're going to toss out you know two or three of your guys, guys that you're targeting, guys that you're putting all your money on to have a great season, guys that you really want on your fantasy teams. Uh, and then we'll close out the episode and uh, uh, and say say our goodbyes. But uh, let's start uh, with you this time, uh, Jay. Who, what, uh, what does this division shape up to you in terms of standings in your top three? And give us a couple of uh, hidden gems or, or guys you're really banking on getting in your drafts. Yeah, um, I definitely see this division um, being being I guess like the heavens and the and the hells. Um, Montreal is easily to me going to finish at the very bottom of this division. Um, at the very top, I think it'll be a tight race between Toronto, between Buffalo, and. And it's either Ottawa or Tampa. So those four teams are going to duke it out. And I Jay does just really doesn't believe in the Panthers. <laughs> no, he does not. I think he's I think he's jaded from what the Panthers did the to the Leafs in the second round last year. I think the question mark of not having that PP one QB ironed out and secured early on is going to really, really hurt the Panthers in the first two months of the season. And I don't think any hot streak at the end of the season is going to make up for those points lost. Um, and I think actually, if we're talking, Oh, sorry, I guess we'll, we'll go through the one, two, threes first, I guess. And then we'll go through our (laughs) gems. Yeah. So it's going to be one of those four. It's going to be the Leafs, the lightning. It's going to be the upstart, Sabres, Buffalo Sabres, or Ottawa Senators, those four are going to duke it out for the top three spots. And what about your uh, what about your guys? What about your uh, all the money in the pot guys that you want on your fantasy team? The Atlantic Division is so juicy for... I'm all about the PP1 quarterbacks, so any of the PP1 quarterbacks in the Atlantic, and they all seem to be so juicy, everyone left, right, and center, but um, Darlene, start the defenseman 
PB1 chain started and started off with Darlene. Even if he doesn't end up with the top, the upside potential is immense. It is so worth it. If you're stuck on the chain end of it, Cider is not the best, but you could do worse with Mo Cider. You could do worse than having Mo Cider on your fantasy team, at least for the categories. Take a flyer on any of the injury-riddled Panthers, right? There's... Monscore, there's Ackblad, there's Forsling, there's Oliver Ekman Larson. Go to the Atlantic, listen to this podcast. Oh my God, he brought up OEL. Don't, oh, don't, no. Listeners, do not draft OEL for no. the love of, right. do not do it. Okay, listeners, come back to this episode if you are looking to build your draft and build it around QB1s, PP1QBs. Don't go to all the other divisions. The Atlantic division is where you want to snag value there. There's Hedman. There's Sergachev. There's Riley Klingberg, if you really, really want to take a fly. There's so much value in the Atlantic division for power play one quarterbacks. Um, but Darlene is going to be the one that wins you it if you're really, really taking my, my bite. I like it. All right, Alan, give us your top three in the division and your guys. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hate seeing it every day in the rankings, but I I feel like Toronto could take the division. Um, <laughs> might even inherit that President's Trophy curse. I think there could be a, another Battle of Florida in the second round. Like I think interchangeably, Florida and Tampa could take two and three, and then it's 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 gonna be a Thunderdome for that that wild card or maybe both wild maybe the Atlantic takes both wild cards out of someone like Toronto Buffalo Boston like I you really can't count Boston out completely but no I I could see Ottawa and uh Buffalo making really good pushes and what about what about the guys you yeah, want on your um, team so like I said earlier Bertuzzi I like you said, if he falls backwards into 40 goals and can actually keep that even strength deployment, that's that's going to pay pay dividends for you. When I think one guy we said by name, um, and it hurts to see him in another sweater, um, Carter Verhage, for his even strength, just gangbusters points. I at that at his ADP though, like yeah, around 60. I'd rather take guys who have power play deployment, but if I can get them later than that, like maybe 80 to a hundred somewhere in there, like that's an absolute stud playing with Barkov. I I love, I love that. You stole one of my guys, (laughs) so I'm going to have to pivot, but uh, look, I'm going to be aggressive. Yeah. You sniped me right there. Just like you, you could do in a draft. I'm going to I'm going to be aggressive in my standings cuz I do agree with you. I think the window is open for the first time maybe ever for the Leafs to win the division. I do not think they're going to win the President's Trophy, but I do think they can win the division this year. Uh, I but they should agree. win the President's Trophy. I wish them best of luck on that. <laughs> <laughs> Martin Jones uh, starting goaltender. I I don't want to rule out Boston, but I am going to going to uh I think you're right. I think Tampa, Florida, and the Panthers are going to be interchangeable in second, which means one of them will get a wild card spot, uh, either finishing third or fourth. 
but I think Buffalo uh, is a hundred percent going to be in the mix. Like they could finish second or third in this division, not easily, but I think they're going to be right there. And I think they're going to make the playoffs this year for sure. I like a lot of the young pieces on Ottawa, but I don't know if they're going to make that leap. I think they'll be better this year, but I don't know if they'll make a wild card spot, but I could see them being there. And then, like you said, don't rule out Boston in this division because you never know what they're going to be. And they've all, they've always been a good team. Right. But if I really had to pick it right now, it's gotta be the Leafs, Tampa, and I'm going to do it. Buffalo, Buffalo's finishing third in this division this year. I think, I think they're going to take it, make a massive leap this year and, and trot. And I think everybody's gonna be very surprised at how good Devin Levi is. And is he going to fix all of their defensive woes and the amount of shots on goal they give up? No, he's not. But I think he might steal some games that maybe, you know, UPL wasn't able to do for them last year. I think he's going to be able to steal some games. And then my guys, you know, I I I got super excited for Tage and Stutzla. Like I those guys are definitely my guys from this division. But if I had to go a little deeper, uh, and not that he's a deep pick, I do think Barkov bounces back big time. I think he gets back to a point per game. I think the, some people are maybe undervaluing him a little bit this year just because he has been not himself the last two seasons, uh, even though Florida has been a good team. And then I really like Dylan Cousins, man. Like that, the, the Sabres are going to be one of the highest scoring teams again this year in, in the league. They have positive regression written all over them. I think he's going to be a big part of it. He's projected again to be on PP one. I really like the kid. He like, I think he's, I think he's a very good value in your draft. I think you're going to find him probably in the fifth, the seventh round. And, you know, he's going to be in that 65 to 75 point range, if not maybe pushing more. So I think there's some really, really good value with cousins and because you store you stole uh, Verhage from me, I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot and I'm gonna I'm gonna you know I don't necessarily want to to say it, but don't devalue Caulfield from the Habs, right? We talked about it in our first division preview. We talked about it in part one of this division preview. It's he's a left winger. Wingers are position of you know, the, 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 the value to the non-value falls off quickly at wing. And I think if he can stay healthy and Suzuki stays healthy, like 40 and 40 is not out of the question for that kid, just because of the clip he shoots at. And the offense is not going to come from anywhere else, but him and Suzuki on that team anyway. So, uh, that's just, uh, you know, I wouldn't overdraft him, but again, like, I think he's got some sneaky value, and then I don't, you know, don't forget about, nobody's going to forget about Montour, but just remember he's out for the first six to eight weeks of the season. But I think he still comes back in and is probably a 60 to 65 point defenseman, you know, right. Not maybe not right away, but as soon as he can, he gets up to speed. He'll be right back in at, at PP1. And then we mentioned it when we talked about the Panthers. It's it's Forsling season, baby. Jump all over that QP1, right? <laughs> He's going to get all the opportunity in the world with both Ekblad and Montour out. And that team is still going to score a lot, right? 
Uh, so don't forget about them. And then zero G we talked about it, you know, late round guys, Corpusalo from the senators, Devin Levi from the Sabres, you know, those are probably the top two for me from this division and Swayman from Boston. Right. I think he's got huge value because people are going to overdraft Allmark just because of the season Allmark had. Uh, and Swayman is an elite goalie. He just happens to be in a tandem. So don't forget about that. All right, boys, we did it again. We are uh, going to park the van cab and thank you to the listeners again for uh, sticking with us in a two-part series on the Atlantic Division preview. We've done it. We've parked it. We're we're going to start collecting some, uh, some fares from you guys ev- eventually. But again... This is the Atlantic Division Preview Part 2. This is your Taxi Squad. We will be back very soon to do the Pacific Division Preview as part of our preseason content and our Division Previews. And and we look forward to bringing you that and the rest of our preseason content. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. That information will be in the uh, show notes uh, when this episode is released on both Part 1 and Part 2. Thanks to uh, TJ, Zach, and Raj again for the opportunity. We're really all grateful to be here and be part of the Five Hole family and the Five Hole community. Join us on the Discord channel if you're not in there already. Always open to your feedback and uh, happy to help you guys with any of your fantasy questions, especially as you guys get closer to your drafts. And shout out to Five Hole's patron if you guys aren't part of that and you do want to be part of the uh, listener leagues I believe there's still an opportunity to join up as a patron and it is at a reduced amount uh, for this season with the guys taking a step back and us in in with the interim so check that out at the 5 Hole Fantasy Hockey uh, website the FHFH uh, website and sign up and that will get you direct access to the listener leagues that are being set up now uh, behind the scenes by the guys and uh one day we're gonna figure out this sign off i think that's it boys i think i got everything uh again we'll be back soon with the pacific division preview and this is your taxi squad alan jay and craig signing off we will see you all soon all love and uh good night everybody good night and good hockey yeah good night let's pick up next time take care